Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Well, what I do is uh, I look a woman up and down, and I say, Hey, how you doing? And how are you doing, everybody? Jim McCarron's here with the good, the bad, and the TV on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you do, subscribe to us and then rate the show on iTunes. You can find us there or on your other favorite directories like Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and, of course, on the Twitter. Use at Believe Podcasts. And if you're into advertising on this or any Believe show... Reach out to believe at believe.com. It's that simple. You got to believe. Now let's believe in the good, the bad, and the TV. The year is 1977. 1977. Elvis dies. Apple II's born. Legionnaire's disease begins. Vietnam draft evaders are pardoned. 1977 is the year of the Raiders, the Yankees, the Trailblazers, the Canadians, Seattle Slough. It's the year of Stevie Wonder and, sorry, Barry Manilow. In 1977, the world population is about 4.4 billion, and most of them are watching Star Wars. In 1977, the U.S. population is 220 million, and most of them are watching Roots. But Roots lasts just eight nights. Jiggle TV lasts all year. And that's the headline of 1977. Two words, Jiggle TV, and one new TV show. It's called Sugar Time. Now here's the thing, and there's always a thing, isn't there? No one remembers the 70s sitcom Sugar Time. None of the people who wrote it, produced it, acted in it, or catered it remember the 70s sitcom Sugar Time. Still, Sugar Time, and you can't see it where you are, but it's spelled with an exclamation point at the end. Sugar Time exclamation point is synonymous with Jiggle TV, a very real name for a very real era in TV history. And it means exactly what you think it means, assuming you've already ruled out anything to do with Jell-O, which you should. Sugar Time! Exclamation Point was a sitcom from a guy named James Comack, a sometimes actor in the 1960s who went on to produce some really good, underrated, innovative TV in the late 60s and early 70s, like The Courtship of Eddie's Father and Chico and the Man. He helped steer the industry into a more relevant stream. Then Comack chucked innovation and acclaim in 1975 with Welcome Back, Cotter, a high school sitcom on ABC that was little more than a live-action cartoon. But live-action cartoons were hitting it big in the mid-1970s, and the show was kind of funny at first. So Welcome Back, Cotter became one of ABC's biggest hits, and Comac's biggest hit by far. It made him a really in-demand producer. So much so that when he came up with Sugar Time for ABC, soon after that, they loved it, because they loved him. Sugar Time was a sitcom about the three women who make up an all-female rock group called Sugar. No exclamation point. Barbie Benton starred, and all you need to know about her is that she was a longtime fixture of the Playboy magazine world and the longtime girlfriend of Playboy founder Hugh Hefner. She was one of the most photographed women in Hollywood at the time. Her notoriety and the Playboy connection are what got Sugar Time on the air. The sitcom was, after all, built on her considerable foundation. And you don't have to look any further than the main title sequence for the show to see that. I'll wait here if you want to Google it. But do note the slow motion footage of Benton bouncing on a trampoline. 
Something to know for context here is that Sugar Time! Exclamation Point came to ABC just as the network had dethroned CBS as the number one TV network. CBS had been number one for 20 straight years, dating back to 1955, the infancy of television. And the number one ranking mattered back then, a time of just three broadcast networks. That kind of viewer dominance not only meant bragging rights, but tons and tons of advertiser money. How did ABC do this? First, during the 1975-76 season with broad appeal family comedies like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. And then during the 1976-77 season with super hits Charlie's Angels, a detective drama, and Three's Company, a sex farce. Pretty much a pair of shows that revolved around the pairs they showed. Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley were family comedies set in the wholesome 50s. But Charlie's Angels and Three's Company were set in the very real then-present day a time when both on TV and in real life, thoughts and attitudes and rules were changing when it came to women and sex, and pretty much everything. TV was getting more daring as a result. It wanted to reflect it. In the first half of the 70s, that came out in the form of what was said and covered. In the second half of the 70s, that came out in the form of what was shown and uncovered. In a word, TV, run by men, had entered adolescence, and boobies were in. Here's how somebody at FastCompany.com summed it up. Quote, The term Jiggle TV, or TNA TV, came into true prominence following the premiere of Charlie's Angels in 1976, with Farrah Fawcett, Jacqueline Smith, and Kate Jackson cracking cases in bikinis and busting baddies braless. End quote. Now some of those Charlie's Angels cases included The Angels Go Undercover in a Women's Prison, The Angels Go Undercover on a Cruise Ship, the Angels Go Undercover in a Playboy-type mansion. The Angels Go Undercover in the World of Roller Derby. The Angels Go Undercover as fashion models. The Angels Go Undercover as taxi dancers. Clearly, the producers had a vision. Legend has it that, that it was a jealous executive at forever low-rated Peacock Network NBC who actually came up with the term Jiggle TV as a label to affix to rival ABC and their lowest common denominator programming. Here's how somebody remembered that for Flashback.com. Quote, the term was coined by a whiny baby NBC exec, Paul Klein, slamming ABC. He was probably just jealous because NBC wasn't doing too well, and ABC's newly termed Jiggle TV was raking in the audiences like mad. It was a formula that worked, no matter what the jealous competitors said, and so began a trend based on TV-centered sexual gratification. End quote. Now, I know this sounds really strange or even stupid in today's world of anything goes, on TV or otherwise. But in the 1970s, there were still rules when it came to TV content, and the decade really was about testing those rules and getting attention by doing so. Look, if Charlie's Angels and Three's Company are hints by dint of their female stars and those stars' considerable assets, what do we got like that? Boobs and Jiggle were the thing to spotlight in new shows, a major part of the advertising and publicity. Go and Google again. Check out the shots used for another 1977 sitcom called Quark, which took the TNATs up a notch by featuring anatomically enhanced twin blondes as the lead actor's sidekicks. You don't see him, you barely see the name of the show, so lost are you in them. Boobs got new shows noticed. It got the first episodes watched. Of course, the shows that have to be good or interesting or entertaining beyond that to last none of which Sugar Time! Exclamation Point was, and each of which made Charlie's Angels and Three's Company the hits they became. They were far from great TV, 
There were no Emmy nominations for writing here, but they did their jobs. They were entertaining. They gave people reasons to come back. Like the famous Farrah Fawcett poster of the time that helped make Angels so popular in the first place, there was something there beyond the considerable tease. It was a delicate, not always achievable balance as ABC came to be chock full of TNA in and around 1977. It was a veritable jello mold of Jiggle TV. From Wonder Woman and the Bionic Woman and the Love Boat and Vegas, which hit, to Tabitha and Operation Petticoat and Blansky's Beauties, which missed. Hell, between 1976 and 1978, producers couldn't even approach ABC without including at least one double D. And however much NBC may have looked down on the strategy, it wasn't opposed to adopting it. The network had already jumped into the fray, slightly, before the onset of Jiggle TV for Real, with a respectable cop show called Police Woman, which was celebrated, if not applauded, for its acknowledgement of the then-growing feminist movement in the country, but also kind of derided for the TNA it came to resort to, thanks to its leading lady, Angie Dickinson, who was incredibly attractive. I mean, they named her groundbreaking character Pepper for crying out loud. So much for liberation, right? And the storylines? Pepper investigates a modeling school. Pepper goes undercover as a stewardess. Pepper goes undercover in a women's prison. Pepper goes undercover as a go-go dancer. Post Charlie's Angels and Three's Company, NBC gave us Susan Anton in a drama called Cliffhangers. Uh, a sitcom about Vegas showgirls called Who's Watching the Kids? Original title for that show was Legs and a Love Boat ripoff called Super Train, a speedliner that people hopped on for various cross-country trips that happened to have both a pool and a weight room on board. Cue the shots of the women in spandex. CBX played through, too. The Ted Knight Show was about a guy who runs an escort service. The American Girls was about female fashion photographers. And Flying High was about a trio of flight attendants. Hell, CBS even picked up the discarded Wonder Woman, which had been canceled by ABC after two seasons hoping to milk Linda Carter's cleavage for another year. And this is on top of the seasoning of its new series with the likes of Lonnie Anderson in WKRP in Cincinnati, Charlene Tilton in Dallas, and Catherine Bach in the Dukes of Hazard. It's amazing that any teenage male got any homework done in the mid-1970s. Made-for-TV movies didn't escape the TNA mandate either. Two of the highest-rated movies of the era, if not the whole decade, were Little Ladies of the Night and the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders, both on ABC. And we haven't even mentioned the project that became the poster program for mid-1970s Jiggle, ABC's Battle of the Network Stars, in which actors from all three networks teamed up and squared off against one another in a series of sporting events such as kayak racing, volleyball, running, and swimming. Pretty much anything that involves shorts, wet t-shirts, and swimsuits. Ratings, unlike the suits, were huge. It, along with the lower-profile CBS ripoff called Celebrity Challenge of the Sexes, became an annual network event. Now, the irony behind the Jiggle TV movement of the 1970s is that it flourished during the application of a government mandate handed down in the mid-70s, known as the Family Viewing Hour, which relegated shows deemed family-unfriendly, quote-unquote, to the later hours of prime time, away from kids' eyes, to protect them. So guns and violence were out, and big breasts were in, and out. Eventually, like that FCC rule, which lasted all of about a year, Jiggle TV waned. By 1979, smarter, less obvious sitcoms and new takes on the one-hour drama were beginning to pop up in prime time. Writing became much more important. Viewers were given a lot more credit and given a lot more reason for watching different shows. 
Turns out a tease isn't as fun if everyone's doing it all the time. And adolescence can't last forever, can it? Check out how one guy summed it up on uprocks.com a while back, responding to someone who questioned on the site whether there really was such a real era in television history known as Jiggle TV. Hey, Jiggle TV is a real thing, bro, he wrote. Back in the 70s, America began to tire of socially conscious television like All in the Family, Good Times, and One Day at a Time, which made viewers feel bummed about poor people and minorities. So the struggling ABC network decided to lighten the mood with what TV critics called Jiggle Television. Basically, the elements of Jiggle TV are these. The main characters are women, the women wear revealing clothing, and the shows contain uncomplicated plot lines that do not distract male viewers from the Jiggle. Unquote. Oh, and hey, for the record, Sugar Time lasted just 11 episodes. Exclamation point. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.